0: And bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco. January uh, 11 and uh, getting cold. So, uh, hey, we might talk about the snow because uh, it's coming on. You might want to protect some of your tender plants. We'll do that later. I'm flying solo today so I could take lots of calls. If you want to get a call, this would be a good time to call. you get right in. Hey, and... Uh, by the way, I walked my dogs this morning. It's so amazing because uh, so, uh, Mary always checks the computer and lets me know if it's going to rain. You know, and I, I was thinking, do I need to wear my rain pants? She went, nah, I think it's only 20% chance till 10. It was about 8.30, and I usually walk them for two hours. I figured out if I get a little wet. It poured like nothing I've ever seen before. And it was freezing cold. Boot. Even the dogs were miserable. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, my house, anytime it's rainy, my house smells like a wet dog. Now it smells like a wet dog and a wet cisco. This is not good. <laughs> not good at all. Okay, well, hey, we'll talk more about how to protect your plants in a bit while we're for the first phone calls, I think. Hey. I want to say hi to everyone that I saw at the Pial Pullman Garden Show last weekend. Was that fun? And I had taken a little, uh, about a month off from giving any garden talks, so it was real fun to get back in there and do a garden talk and see, saw some really great friends there. And um, and I got to say a big thanks to the woman who embroidered. She she embroidered this bag for me and she gave it to me and I should have opened it in front of everybody. It was kind of wrapped up in a little gift wrap. It was it's so nice and uh, it's really beautiful. And I'm keeping my postcards for my uh new book in there that I give out where I when I give talks. So uh so thank you. Thank you for that so much. That was wonderful. And uh, I also want to say hi to everyone I saw at the PCC uh, grocery store headquarters because my great friend Lynn Via, she's the chef and really neat person who uh, worked with me on Gardening with Cisco, me and Megan on Gardening with Cisco, and um, so she sent me an email and said, hey, a lot of people from PCC would like to meet you, so would you like to come down for a lunch? There's no better cook on Earth than Lynn Via, let me tell you that much right now. And she outdid herself, that lunch was to die for, it was so good. And I got to meet all kinds of wonderful people over there at PCC, so that was really, really fun. I miss working with Lynn so much, but it uh, yeah, probably was the best lunch I've ever had in my life. I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, back uh, in the days of Gardening with Siskel, uh and whenever she and I did our cooking things together, when I'd get home, Mary would be waiting at the front door to see what delicious thing I was going to walk in with because she always sent me home with enough for both Mary and I, you know. And now one time i come home, it was a Friday, so I had hardly any time. I had to go down and do my TV show, Gardening with Cisco Live on NWCN, and that was so fun to do. So uh, Mary comes to the door and goes, you know, what'd she, what'd she cook? What'd she cook? And I said, we cook Brussels sprout thing. She's like, oh, no, you know. She's all about that because, you know, as you know, Mary hates Brussels sprouts with a passion. <laughs> So I said just try this. It's the best thing you ever had. I had to hop in the car go down to the TV studio. I get home, she ate it all. Both portions. She just devoured it. She couldn't stop once she started. I think it's cuz it had bacon. There's nothing. There's nothing anybody won't eat if it has bacon on it. So and she's even a vegetarian. So, <laughs> so uh so, yes, Lynn is a fantastic cook, let me tell you. Okay, hey, I hope you'll check out my website, Cisco.com, because Mary put something really funny on the top. Because you know I love the Seahawks with a passion. But you also know that I came from Wischewskan. And if you grew up in Wischewskan, then you are a Packer fan for the rest of your life. There's nothing you can do about it. So I'm going to be I'm going to have a split personality in this football game uh, when it's on here. So uh, I am very very excited to see this game. In all truth, I can't lose because I love both teams. So, but it's going to be. I never watch a Packer Seahawks game with my friends because they all want to kill me before it's over. Because I cheer when both teams score. Hey, okay, just quick. Uh we got a caller and I'm gonna get to you pretty quick, Mike. But I wanna say that uh my next appearance, which I'm excited about as can be, is January nineteenth at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. This is for the Northwest Perennial Alliance uh promise of spring event. And uh if you haven't heard about NPA, look it up. They are a fantastic. I'm sure we've got tons of links in our link. Page there. Go to garden organizations, and uh, they're a really neat organization. They have open garden events and things where you get to go see all kinds of people's gardens. And they're going to have a talk about that on that uh, on January nineteenth. Before I speak, I speak at one. They're also having a great uh, sli- uh, s- garden sale, plant sale, so that should be really fun. January nineteenth, BBG. And uh, I think that's a Sunday, and it'll be when the Seahawks are playing, if they win, which is never a good thing, but that's the way life goes. And uh, uh, so, so 1 o'clock is when I'll be speaking, but you might as well go early and because they're going to have a great slideshow of a lot of these open gardens that are so neat. Okay, uh, one last thing, then we're going to take a break, and then as soon as we come back, Mike, I'm going to pop you on the air, okay? And that's don't forget. My big book launch. So the book comes out January 21st. Oh, la, la, it's called. And the big launch is going to be a third-place book, 7 o'clock in the evening. Uh, That is on January 22nd at Lake Forest Park. I'm so excited. It's going to be really fun. Big uh, book signing there. And, uh, okay, listen, let's take a break. When we come back on 97.3 Cairo FM, we're going to talk to Mike in West Seattle. You're
1: listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends.
0: Okay, welcome back. Hey, let's go right to Mike in West Seattle. Hey, Mike, thanks for calling.
1: Hi, Cisco. Nice to talk with you. Nice talking to you, too. Hey, my backyard, the lawn, has been taking a serious hit from crows. I mean, they have been rototilling my lawn. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you've heard other people complain about this.
0: Oh, yeah. I've been getting emails like crazy. And guess what? You've got European chafer grubs. I'm willing to bet anything. So uh, if you go out and dig up one little section where you're seeing the crows, do a lot you okay. could you could dig out uh you know a foot by foot little section and then dig through there a little bit or you can just dig into the lawn a little bit and I'm willing to bet anything you're gonna see these white grubs they're they're beetle grubs right now they're okay. about a half inch long they grow to about three quarter inches they feed on the grass crowns and they could do a lot of damage. But what's doing the real damage for you is those crows are coming in trying to eat them all. They're having a great time. Oh yeah, and I've been. I, it's funny. I've been getting a lot of emails. So these European chafers just moved in to our area now, and uh, it's okay. gonna, it's gonna be a big problem. Now I'll give you the good news. Now, the bad news is the crows are going to keep ripping the living tweedle out of your lawn because there's probably a million <laughs> of them out there, you know. And uh, if you have any chicken wire or something, you can lay it down in the worst spots. Crows don't really like that, and they won't rip it up as much. They'll still get some of the grubs, though. Uh, or if you got hardware cloth, that'll really stop them, you know. But um, the real key is... Uh, other than trying to stop, and by the way, I should warn you, do you got raccoons in your neighborhood? Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Well, if they get in there, you are going to see a mess like you've never seen. They have been tearing <laughs> lawns to shreds to get at wow. these grubs. Yeah, they love eating them, you know. So uh, if you see the first sign of anything like that, then get some, some uh, you know, some kind of fence or something you could put down there, and not only that, uh, you know, stake it in so that they can't knock it out. You could buy pretty good little stakes at uh, some of the nurseries and hardware stores sometimes because you got to—
1: Is there any way to prevent the grub uh, uh, from—I mean, I don't want to use chemical in my yard. Good
0: for you. I'm with you. They say that if you just take good care of your lawn— But unfortunately, you can't let it go dormant during the summer, or the grubs really kill the lawn. But if you're willing to water and fertilize and mow all summer long, then the damage is much, much less. Now, I don't know whether they're going to just keep repopulating the same lawn. I'll give you one thing that might really help, and that's nematodes. So nematodes are microscopic worms. There's 100 million in a little box of them, and you mix it up in your watering can, and then uh, you go out and water where you see where there's damage, you know, the grass is starting okay. to brown out, or you could see that the crows have been doing a lot of work there. And these sure. are totally safe for humans Totally safe for birds if they even eat the chafer. the whole nine yards. But they go inside the body of these chafers and uh, cause a lot of trouble in there. Let's put it that way. (laughs) They kind of gobble them up from inside, and uh, they they work pretty good. Okay,
1: i've I've not been I've not been fertilizing um, the lawn, but I do mow regularly.
0: Okay, that's helping. What you got to do, okay. so if you try these nematodes, you can't even do that till July, okay? Okay. Because it's got to be warm. But here's the thing. If, huh? Okay. Okay, so this summer, if you, fer, I would fertilize the first time uh, in the end of April or early May with an organic lawn food. Fertilize about four times uh, during the summer. And uh, water regularly and mow, and they say that that it uh, it really gets rid of the damage for the most part, and often the nematodes just sort of disappear if you take good care of the lawn.
1: Well, this one section I'm certain I'm going to have to reseed because it's really torn up.
0: Yeah, it's you know this is going to be a big problem for all of us now, and uh, well,
1: Lincoln Lincoln Park is really I, I've seen it in Lincoln walking through Lincoln Park.
0: Yeah, they've really moved in, and people are going to go crazy, and I, I'm afraid people are going to use a lot of pesticides on their lawn, which could be dangerous for their kids and animals. No,
1: I refuse.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, I if I get it, chemical. my my lawn yep. looks like a moon scope anyway because I have two puppies, so what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, so, you know, um. Hey there is one other thing I'll mention. There's a there's a tool and it's called a scarecrow and you can't use it in freezing weather. But if you if you can you attach your hose to it and in the head of this thing it's got batteries and it's got a motion and heat detector. And you could set that thing so uh tight that it'll even fire when a uh, crows it in your lawn and scare them away. It shoots a big blast of water at them. And
1: oh, that's th- a great idea.
0: Yeah, they're expensive is the only problem. They, uh, the cheapest I've ever seen them is 70 bucks. But okay. uh, but they're a pretty good tool, and you might consider experimenting with it if you don't mind forking out some bucks. You maybe get two of them. Have a crossfire. Uh, wear a swimming suit when you set them up, because you get really oh, wet when... <laughs> You got to adjust this thing, then I'd run in front of it. I had, I was doing it with my dog. I was getting my dog to run in front of it. But at the end of that, all I had to do was hold that thing in the air, and my dog <laughs> ran for the... <laughs> but, uh, but that's an idea, too, that might help. But I think we're all going to be dealing with this for a while, so... Uh... Hopefully, there will be some good environmentally friendly things other than just this that will come up, and that will help a lot. All right. Sounds good, Cisco. All right. Hey, thanks, Mike. Really interesting phone call. I'm really happy you called. Thanks for the advice. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye. All right, I think, um, you know what, I think I'm not going to take another call now because uh, we wouldn't have time to really get started. So, Sue, if you'll just hang on till we get through break, then I'll uh, pop you on the air on 97.3 Cairo FM. So, hey, we'll give you what's going on out in the news now, and then I'll be back right after this.
1: This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends.
0: All right, in just a second, I'm going to go right to you, Sue, but I just have a couple of quick announcements. And if, if you're into ferns or you want to learn more about ferns, there's a really great talk coming up at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. It's Wednesday, January 15 at 7 p.m., and Richie Stefan. He's the head guy over at the Elizabeth C. Miller Botanical Garden, which is quite a garden if you ever get to see it. Uh, he'll be talking over there at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. You'll learn everything there ever was to know about ferns. He wrote a great fern book, too. So, uh, And the uh, only other one I want to let you know about real quick is that the Snohomish County Master Gardener Sustainable Gardening Winter Speaker Series is coming up, and if you're into Japanese maples, Friday, January twenty fourth, uh, my buddy Barry Hoffer from Maples for All Seasons will be speaking about that. So go to Cisco. dot com and hit Events, and you'll find out all about all that. Hey Sue from Federal Way, thanks so oh, thanks for calling, and welcome.
2: Hi Cisco. Um- I'm hoping you can help me. I know you're a dog lover too, so yeah. here's our problem. I don't know if it came because we've had so much rain this year or if we, one of a compost or soil we used had mushroom mix in it, but we have had, we have a zillion mushrooms. Um, all colors of the rainbow and all types. We've looked a couple of them up we have a one-year-old puppy who's a hound. Oh, boy. We know that he's eaten a couple of them. We think he has gotten sick from them. Um, What do you do about mushrooms? I mean, we've tried to, you know, physically keep ahead of him. But, um, you know, he's got a nose. He thinks he's a truffle dog. And so we need something that's pet safe. And, I mean, we try not to use chemicals anyway. We're also near a lake, and we're on a bit of a hill, so we're, you know, we don't ever use anything that could possibly wash into the lake.
0: Yeah, you, you know any ideas? Well, you know what? There's nothing. No chemical, no nothing that'll get rid of mushrooms for you. And you know, I used to think I used to think it didn't really matter cuz dogs I never had a dog that ate a mushroom. Then two pugs died from eating mushrooms a couple years ago. And that particular mushroom and I sorry, I don't remember which one it was smells like meat, and it's not good. But oh, that might be the elf saddle, I'm not sure, which I know we have, uh, but anyway, okay. so I think the thing boy, it's real tough. are they Are they real low to the ground so that you couldn't would would mowing knock them down? I don't think so. Well, the taller ones, yes. We have a yeah. whole
2: bunch of different varieties. The tall ones, but it wouldn't get the real low ones. There's some that grow really, really low.
0: Somehow, all you can do is knock them down. They okay. They disappear really fast after you do. So if you can knock them down, they won't come back this year. But okay. And just out of curiosity, did you just put a new lawn in this year or anything?
2: No, no, no I don't think that lawn's you, been changed in 50 years, okay. probably.
0: Then I think you need to, to get it dethatched this year, but not now. But okay. uh, next spring in March... Hire a company or do it yourself. but oh, my God, it's so much work. You can't believe it.
2: <laughs> We've done it on the front, but not in the back. We have several okay. furs back there, and it's just a little bit wild. So Yeah. But it could be done.
0: They're feeding on that thatch. That's,
2: okay. And what about digging them? Does that help any, or is it better just to knock off the tops and the stems? Uh, it
0: doesn't help to dig them. I wish it did, okay. but it doesn't. You can't dig them out. So the, all you can do is knock them down, and you're probably going to... You know, hopefully getting rid of the thatch will lighten the load of them coming back next year. we uh this it system, do that in March? Uh, yeah, I do it in March. Soon as we get some warm, dry weather, have somebody set up or do it yourself. And then uh, do it, you know, you want to do it when the soil is about the moisture content of a squeezed sponge. Otherwise, it'll Please really what? rip your lawn up. I
2: missed something. Oh, a a squeezed
0: squeezed sponge. You know how you... Oh, sponge. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, that'll help, but it's not going to get rid of all of them. But the good news is that as dogs get older, they tend to not eat mushrooms as much, although I had a neighbor with an old dog all of a sudden decided to eat mushrooms, and they had a real problem with that. But most of the time, dogs just know... Like, I watch my pups all the time, and uh, I have one that eats everything, but he leaves those mushrooms alone. Now, right. that doesn't mean if one smelled like meat, he wouldn't know. Right. you so, have to look that one up. Yeah, so you got to just stay, stay after them, but maybe look that one up. You know, I think you'll be able to find the whole story. You know, you might write uh, pubs. Killed by mushrooms or something in your computer, and I think that'll come up. And you should be able to at least find out so you can make sure that you're after that one, you know. Okay, and Cisco, do you recommend, like, staying away from
2: compost and things that have mushrooms in them? Well, the spores spread that way, or is it mostly just because of the
0: wet weather? It's almost always not from uh, compost. It's almost always from topsoil. So, oh, top, yeah, because yeah, okay. here's what happens when they when they um, make topsoil. Because you know we all use manufactured topsoil now. Right. When they make topsoil to add organic, they want it to be a third organic. Well, what they do almost always, just about everybody does this. They um, they just mix in ground up wood, so that ground up wood. That just, mushrooms just feed on that like crazy. So uh, that's why you get a million every time you put in a new lawn around here. So if you can find the topsoil where they don't use ground-up wood, maybe that's a 50-50 mix of compost and sandy soil or something, that might help if, you know, for all you people putting in a new lawn or something.
2: Right. Okay. And uh, great. Okay. Because the, the the garden area is back there too, in that area as well.
0: So. And and that's got problems too. Or the vegetable garden, uh, not so far. Yeah. See, because that's probably you know you don't have the thatch build up. Mushrooms are always feeding on something under the ground, so that's okay. one thing to know about. But uh, yeah, you know, even walking out there with a golf club. <laughs> Just knocking yeah, them down, knocking them down. Anything can help. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Best of luck with that, and yeah, right. I, I think you'll be okay. But you know, it pays to be careful. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. Thanks, Sue. Thanks so much. Bye. Yeah, that can be a really big problem for puppies. So I, uh, you know, if you got a puppy and you got mushrooms, be careful. Maybe look up the the really bad one. There's other bad ones, of course, but I think they have lousy flavor and that the dogs seem to know to leave them alone. So uh, that's my personal opinion. All right, now we have all open lines. I'm going to talk a little bit about the weather coming in. But if anybody wants to call, if you don't get in right away, you'll be the first person uh, right after I come back after the next break. But for right now, I just want to talk about the possibility of cold weather and snow. So, from what I looked up, the temperatures are going to be in the really low 20s. And I live at 500 feet in Seattle. I'm up on top of that big uh, plateau up there above the Picardo Pea Patch and above uh, um, uh, Magnuson Park. So, it's going to get way colder at my house than 22 degrees at night and it's not supposed to warm up above about 28 for about a week so that's really cold for plants and if if you've got some you know things that aren't that hardy you might want to throw a sheet over them something over them at least at night but uh, you know some of them you got to give them some light sooner or later so you may have to pull that off but uh, but here's a big warning if we get snow and you cover a plant with a sheet or something, we get a heavy snowstorm. And this has happened to me. I came out and the sheet was flat as a pancake on the ground with about two feet of snow on top. That plant got flattened like nothing you've ever seen <laughs> in your life. So it actually recovered, but it uh, never looked the same, shall we say, you know. So... uh you know, if you put something in to hold it up, prop it up, then if the snow falls, it's not. You know, one thing like, uh, you know, if you got a stake or something and you can just cut into a tennis ball and put it on top, something like that and stick those underneath with the thing keeping it warm can really help. And uh, there is a product called Frost, uh, Frost Protect. You can get it from Charlie's Greenhouse. I have those all over my garden. I cover my plants with them, the ones that are tender, you know. And uh, so uh, I still have to put something to prop them up. And, you know, if you just put a stake, it might go right through the top of that frost protect, and they're not cheap. So you got to, you know, put a tennis ball or some way to keep those protected. If we get heavy snow, if you got a broom in the garage, (laughs) Go out and knock the snow off your broadleaf evergreens, or you're gonna get a lot of breaks, those magnolias, those uh, those uh, evergreen magnolias, just get the livid tweedle beat out of them. The good news is you can cut them back, they grow right back, they look great. Okay, let's hope it doesn't get too cold. Hey, I hope you'll give me a call. one triple eight nine seven three 973 cairo one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. 973 5476 Back right after this. This
1: is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Brought to you by PacificTopSoil.com and Mulbax in Woodinville. Ooh la la.
0: Here's Cisco. Ooh la la. Yeah, hey, we're in the last section of the show here. This one has just flown by, and I appreciate all these phone calls. Hey, Jim in Snohomish, what you got going on over there? Hey,
3: how you doing, Cisco? It's raining like crazy out here.
0: Oh, yeah, man, I know. Tell me about it. My dogs aren't going to dry up for the next three days.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I had my dog out in the yard, had to dry her off with a towel to get her inside. (laughs) Yeah, The reason I'm calling is I wanted to check on, I'm thinking about putting in some uh, vegetable garden in, uh, in my backyard, and I wanted to... Maybe think about uh, putting it in some containers, you know, like maybe like some watering troughs or something like that to get it up off the ground. And, You're so smart. And I wanted to see if you had, had, had any advice about that. I was going to get some mix from, I don't know, Pacific or one of those places and put some garden mix in there. But uh, the other, so I wanted to see if you had any advice on that and when I should do that. Secondarily, I've got deer that wander through every now and then, and am I just going to have to put up a fence, or are they going to are they going to eat everything
0: I grow? Oh, they'll eat everything, absolutely everything you grow if you don't fence them out. Now, if you're making raised beds, or maybe you could just put a fence just around the veggie garden. But if you don't if you don't keep them out of there, oh, they'll be sampling all, and they eat the good stuff. They go for the Brussels sprouts first, you know.
3: Yeah, Okay, well, that's one of the things they might grow. They've already eaten all the leaves off of a little uh, weeping cherry tree that I had in the backyard. It was doing really good, and then I looked out there, and there were three of them on there, three of them there, oh, munching geez. everything away. And so, yeah. So, mm-hmm.
0: what do you
3: what uh, what do you suggest for the containers? How deep should the containers be? And well, and uh, what right. kind of mix should I put in them?
0: Okay, so first of all, I'd say that you want those. Uh, containers to be three feet tall if you could do it. Because, uh, right. and if it were me and I and I were doing it, I would uh, actually use stone to make them. If you could afford it and you could buy stepping stones yep. and you got a good back, <laughs> you could build your yep. own, you right. know. And uh, if you make up uh-huh. three, I'd make up three foot tall. Now, Here's why I love stone. It looks so cool. You can't believe it. And they have lots of concrete things you could use, too. But I would use stone, and I would not use wood because it's going to break down over time. So uh, the best look at a stone, concrete would be the next choice, I think. I'm not crazy about those troughs. You got to really put good drainage oh, okay. in them, and uh, you know, drill a million holes in them. And I've seen them get clogged up a lot. So, uh, and I just okay. don't think they okay. look as cool myself. But so, if you could build three foot high stone, you're not bending over yeah. when you're gardening out there. You know, you could sit on right. the side right. of the stone container and work in the garden. It. I wouldn't make them more than four feet wide. Because uh, you can make them okay. as long as you want, but you want them uh, four feet wide because, no more than that, because you want to be able to reach in there from both sides and uh, reach all okay. the veggies. Uh, and then I would say, and the nice thing, the stone warms up when the sun hits it, so it's going to warm that soil wow. way faster. It's really good, you know. and. okay. Uh, okay. Now, if I were doing it, I would probably go to, you know, somewhere great like Pacific topsoil, one of the good topsoil places, and talk to the people there and say, hey, look, I want one that's great for growing veggies. You'll probably get a three-way mix, something like that. You know, reiterate, you want really well-drained soil because you can add compost over the years, you know, keep working it in as you want to or just put it on top and and, – but so I would go to one of the, go to a really reputable topsoil place, you know, not, not you know, a fly by night one or something like that. And, uh, right, right. Po- I want, yeah, because you want to start with good soil. If you start with bad soil, you're in trouble. A couple last things I'll tell you one is that if you've got big trees near where you're going to build this veggie garden, then you may want yeah, to, huh?
3: Go ahead. Yeah, there's a few. There's some cedars around. Oh yeah. There's some cedars around. Not not super close. It's they're
0: probably 30, 40 feet away. Oh, I think you're okay, but you might consider putting hardware cloth in the base of your uh, the base of your containers right at the ground level. And break up the ground underneath. If you've got bad soil or anything, you want to make sure there's plenty of drainage in there, so that it'll drain down into okay. the soil below. And uh, you might put hardware okay. cloth underneath to make sure that the roots can't work their way through there. Okay. Because that okay. can really help.
3: Okay. Well, you. Okay, you've given me a lot to uh, a lot to to uh, work on here. We'll. Will netting keep the deer out, or am I going to have to put up some kind of a rail or a fence? They
0: have uh, deer netting that works pretty good, and it looks like bird netting. But um, I've heard that if deer are really hungry and they really want to eat what's in there, they'll work their way through it. So you might want to do But But the problem with whatever you use, try and make it so you can remove it easy when you're working in there. So maybe you can have right. something that's just kind of permanent with some kind of good fencing that you could pull out, get in there and work on yeah. the garden, and then put back. That would really be nice. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Hey okay. Jim, one. Well, I'll, uh... one last suggestion for you, and that is also you okay. might you might consider building it in a way that you could put um, uh, remay or uh, pest. Um, pest barrier around it so you could cover it real easy with Remay or one of these products that keeps bad bugs out and then then you'll never have problems with bad bugs getting in there either so look up Remay and you'll see what it is I gotta run pretty quick but uh, send me a picture when you get this all built will ya right. thanks Cisco have a great
3: one hey
0: thanks Jim Hey, Paul, great job. He's our new uh, person working the board, our new engineer, and doing a great job. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Don't freeze your hinder off. Don't forget to walk your dogs. though. Eat those Brussels sprouts. They'll keep you warm. All right, see everybody next week. Bye-bye.